Hello and welcome back to the Part Time Gaffers podcast. My name is David. And I'm Delish. And guess what, David? What? I love this game. <laughs> I need to show me love. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Patrice Evra. He was giving us great laughs before we started this podcast. Also, shout out to White Claw Gabe, but I can't repeat what you say on this podcast. I think we've got Kid a friendly PG show. rating on here. I think it's PG, right? I think so. Yeah, well, anyway, PG. We'll, we'll run with it. So, we've got a great little shorter episode for you today just to get you through that last stretch of the international break. It's almost God, over. God, we hate international breaks. Eh? Oh, it is the worst. Delish actually asked me today if... We could do a segment on over and underrated players for the international teams. And I was honestly just like, I can't do that segment. I don't watch most international games. If it's World Cup, if it's Euros, give me it. If it's if it's Nations Cup, I'd rather watch my cat play with himself, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like like half the teams have injured players. Belgium, I don't know what's going on with them. They came out and said that uh, Kevin De Bruyne came out and said that Belgium can't even compete because they've got B-class players compared to the other team. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone was commenting, saying, that's not really the attitude your captain should have. (laughs) You should be backing your players. So there's just not not much about the Nations League and international break any of us like. Someone's a bit salty that they used to be number one in the world not too long ago. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to quite reclaim that number one position, but um, well, Messi probably always had it, or Ronaldo, to be fair. But anyway, alas, we have a good little episode today for you today. We're going to start by talking about the Newcastle Saudi Arabia takeover, talk about some pros, some cons, what we both think of the deal. We're going to move through to 90-50-10, our favorite little segment, where we'll be making some outlandish and controversial statements, most probably, and we'll finish with our segment that's back this week, predictions for game week eight. And boy, are we excited. I love this game. Okay, time to skip straight to the next part. (laughs) Segment one today, we're going to have a chat about the Saudi Arabia Newcastle takeover. This is pretty exciting news, David. Um, I think it's great that we have another big organization buying into the premier league um and i think we're just gonna each have our own thoughts um pros and cons for me there's more pros than cons um but we'll see how we both feel about this one so delish has gone ahead and stated his position before we've even talked about the issue (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna play devil's advocate a bit more i'm probably gonna um play that role and talk about it more neutrally. I'll let you know what I think at the end as my as my final verdict. But I think the one thing we both agree on is a big pro. It makes the league a lot more competitive. There's going to be better players being brought in. The, th- the likes of Kylian Mbappe has been talked about. Is it a meme? Is it really going to happen? <laughs> Who knows? We're going to have to wait for Fabrizio Romano to tweet or post an Insta saying, here we go with a picture of Mbappe's face. But... Until then, we can hope, because that would be pretty cool. And I think whoever they get, they're going to be getting good players. Definitely makes the league more competitive. Totally agree. Um, If Mbappe does come to the Premier League, though, he's coming to Liverpool. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) He is not going to Newcastle. You you think Mbappe is going to a team where he might have to play false nine? He's not going to have to play false nine. Where would he play? He can play up top. We don't always play with a false nine. Oh, please. Oh, please. The, please. Please, let's not turn this into a Liverpool talk. But I can't not turn it into one after that statement was made. There is no way you would let Salah and Mane play just as a regular winger pair and not let them cut in as much. The whole premise of your team, the whole thing that makes your attack so brutal and so good is the fact that they have so much space to run into and they make the most of it. You can have Mbappe, but the net effect of Salah and Mane not playing their best games because they don't have that uh, that space that they can move into and run into. I'm really not going to go that far into it. I think net you'd do worse if you played Mbappe up front. I'm not going to... All I'm going to say is it's okay for Mbappe to play on the wing. Like, we'll just chuck Mane at striker. But that's a completely (laughs) different discussion that's fair mbappe also, does look he's not coming hella, to liverpool 
Mbappe does look hella sexy in the Newcastle kit, though. Oh my from god! The first, from the first few photoshops I saw, I was like, damn, you know what? I could vibe with that. But in terms of the player and the club and the status, it's it's not going to happen. Um, a player who I think could potentially move to Newcastle is Felipe Coutinho. Really? Has that been in the news? There, there have been rumors, murmurings amongst the footballing community. And I, for one, think it's a pretty viable move. Uh, like, I could see this one happening. Um, Coutinho, I think a lot has kind of been said uh, about the way he left Liverpool, kind of forcing that exit, and obviously wanted to go and uh, create a legacy for himself at Barcelona. Hasn't quite happened. Um, he was on, he was loaned out, barely makes it into the starting eleven as it is, even with the young, young squad that they have at the moment. Um, and I guess we already know that he's great in the Premier League, um, just from his Liverpool days. And honestly, I, I could see it being a good fit. Yeah, I mean, they can definitely afford him. <laughs> I think I could see it. And to be honest, I think they've got pretty much most of the, the world of football players at their disposal here with who they can who they can entertain as getting into the team. I mean, when money is not much of an object, then most football players will be willing to listen besides those loyal few who no amount of money could tempt them away. So I think Coutinho is an option. I think Mbappe is an option. I think pretty much anyone is. And we'll probably only find out closer to summer some of those players who are strongly linked with going. And I think what Newcastle do need to be careful of, and maybe we can chat more about this in 90-50-10 when I'm definitely going to be bringing it up, is how much change they want to make how and so quickly before the January break. And they mm. definitely need to have a very clear vision of where they want to go and not just mindlessly spend money. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> I think there are only a select few clubs, um, i.e. Real Madrid, Chelsea, who can pull off kind of like a Galactico-type team um, where you're just pulling together talent for the sake of talent and hoping that they can stitch it together on a football pitch. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't see Newcastle being the type of club or uh, having the fan base that would buy into something like that, um, as, as dreamy as it is. Um, I think the people on Tyneside are actually made of some substance, not just have <laughs> a boil. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it, it it will be a bit more gradual. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's they really just have the world at their disposal, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think that brings that brings me to some more pros. Uh, I've thought this out. So, in terms of money, obviously it's going to be a more competitive league. But bringing in better players also increases the global audience because the more top players you have in your league the more attractive it is as a prospect to watch on a weekly basis and the more you're able to bring in both football watchers and viewers from other leagues to watch your league and new football viewers. We've seen when Ronaldo moves leagues, most of the players, sorry, most of the supporters who were watching him switched to his new league. We saw that with Serie A getting a Mm -hmm. huge boost in its in its viewings and we've also seen it with the premier league ronaldo's match was his debut match back for manchester united was the most watched in premier league history so there's that clear effect of fans following players and on top of that Mm -hmm. it does bring in new watchers of the sport we all like um, our own certain sports but sometimes when we want to find a new sport to watch we look for something that's hot something that's exciting for example the ufc right now I got into it about a year ago because UFC, it's always been pretty good, but it's it's getting really good again. And I've really enjoyed it because there's just so much top talent. So I can see the same thing happen with the Premier League. And ultimately, when you have this bigger global audience, it's going to raise earnings for the Premier League. And due to the structure, that's going to flow all the way down the British football pyramid. So this deal actually benefits the smaller clubs in England. Yeah, that also kind of brings us onto a slight negative, I feel, which is with all of this money coming into the league, this is obviously just adding to the list of football clubs who are very financially 
motivated. And I know all clubs are financially motivated because they have to be. But especially when you have overseas owners and overseas billionaires kind of bringing their own culture, their own uh, motives um, and desires, it's it can sometimes be a bit hard for fans to accept that. I mean, you look at some of the struggles that Arsenal have been through uh, with disagreements on how the club is being run from an ownership point of view because there isn't that synergy between the way the fans expect things to be done and just what, what the owners want out of the transaction, if I can call it that. Um, so I think hopefully we're able to avoid uh, that kind of that taint on it. And I, I honestly don't see it being that much of an issue with Newcastle. But I guess it's it's always something that's lingering when you get lots of big money starting to be involved in the league. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. And another another issue is that it's foreign money. And we have seen this happen in some cases in other sports, but with so much foreign money in the league right now, it actually makes the Premier League vulnerable to these foreign investors. And their demands can, can come with a heavier weighting and a heavier backing. And it's not good in the sense that this is supposed to be English football. And with so many foreign players in the game now, the influence is taking that away from England. So I am starting to worry about how the league will be influenced going forward. But I'm hoping that there are enough structures in place already to prevent anything negative happening. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Because at the end of the day, you don't really want it affecting the grassroots levels, right? Because that's... That's the breeding ground for all the talent that we see today. Speaking of talent, uh, you need someone to manage that talent in the team. And it looks like Steve Bruce is on his way out the front door. Yeah, poor guy. He's about to have his 1,000th game in charge as manager. And he's pretty much out the door. And he actually tweeted. He said that, thank God wait, his wait, mother wait, wait, is wait, not wait, around. Wait. wait, Steve Bruce tweeted. <laughs> yes <laughs> yes catch up it's 2021 even steve bruce tweets and he said that he, it was actually really sad he said that he's glad his mother's not around anymore to see the way that he's been treated online the last few weeks and i feel really sorry for him he's a guy who he always gives his best is he the best manager in the league far from it but he's given his best to newcastle especially with bad ownership and bad backing and I think he deserves better. I think he deserves that thousandth game in charge and having a send-off. And, yeah, I I think I think that Newcastle fans do owe him for what he's done. Hasn't been amazing, but he's done the best he can. Yeah, I agree. He's had, um, I feel he's had a pretty good career. Um, obviously, just a solid manager overall. Um, and he's he's done a great service for the club um as you say in in quite testing times when they didn't have this abundance of riches that they do now um yeah and i hope i'm not sure how many games away he is from that 1000th game um but one. i hope he gets <laughs> oh he's one game he's on his 999th game uh, from oh surely game. surely they'll let him have one more game. well apparently he thinks he's getting sacked before he gets there <clears throat> Nah, if if the, and this is exactly the point I'm making, right? About foreign owners and their motives and like the respect that they have for clubs and people's service to a club, especially when they're like English, English-born servants of a club, right? Whether that's the backroom staff or the manager, I really hope that they have the decency to give this man his thousandth game, because it would say a lot of them if they didn't. Yeah, you'd hope so, but we'll have to see. Thankfully, it is only maybe three three days away until they play, something like that. So hopefully he won't be sacked. Um, I'd be surprised if they sack him the day before the game. It's also not good for the team. So hoping for the best. And actually, before we move on to the managers, I've actually got a couple more cons I might just throw in the mix uh, just to balance things out a little bit. So the, another thing I've thought of is this kind of screws over the French, German, Italian, and Spanish leagues. This year in particular, we're already at a point where the Premier League has risen so much further above them 
both in competitiveness and excitingness. <laughs> it's not a word. Excitement. Um, excitement. Beautiful. Thank you, Mr. Thesaurus. So it kind of screws over those other leagues. And obviously that's not the Premier League's concern. They're just doing their best job and they're doing a bloody good job of it too. But it's not good on the whole for top tier football. And there is the potential that if things keep moving the way they do, we're going to start seeing more Farmers League teams in those in those other leagues. So I'm personally not too excited about things from that perspective. I've always enjoyed having your big five leagues. To be honest, if things keep going the way they do, I think we could be down to maybe a big four or a big three leagues in 20 years from now. Yeah, I think obviously all of the money in football has to be spread across like there's only so much money in football right and when you start to have it concentrated in one particular league as it is starting to happen with the premier league you have to take it away from somewhere right um i i don't know for me if i see that as much of a downside as you probably maybe that's me just being a bit cold-hearted to all of the other (laughs) football players and football fans in other countries but yeah, I'm I'm not feeling that as much, but I do see I do see the concern. Um and we're definitely heading towards kind of like a big two or a big three league. Uh big three leagues in Europe. Maybe this is Real Madrid's plan after all, once the Super <laughs> League finished. Maybe Real Madrid will transfer into the Premier League, who knows? Um, I honestly wouldn't put it past them. Well, look, if that's not of your concern, I think I want to raise a point which might be of your concern. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. So there is the chance that this could be another stab in the back of English youth development. We've seen at some big clubs that when they get bought out and when they get lots of money and they're always just buying the top players, it actually hurts the youth development and it hurts the ability for the youth to grow to get first team experience and become top players. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate as well and say, well, look, you can see Chelsea actually hasn't been that affected. They produce so many top quality youth players because they loan them out to a hell of a lot of teams, get them experience, then if they're good enough, they crack into the Chelsea team. So I'm interested to know, what are your thoughts on the youth development side? Because Newcastle do have a decent academy, from my understanding. They do produce some top, not top top, not top tier, but some top talent. <laughs> and I'm um, interested to know what you think about how that's going to pan out now. As you were saying, the first part of that, I was going to bring up the Chelsea exception. Um, and so I agree with everything you said. The one thing that I think is a bit of a shame is that the way it's affecting youth players is that then it's not like all of this money coming into the Premier League is stopping them from getting an opportunity at a young age from getting the the development that they need at a young age. If anything, it's improving the quality of that, that coaching as they're coming through junior leagues and football. I think where it's starting to affect them. And this kind of comes back to the culture and like the whole, the dream of football, if you want to call it like the football dream of a boy growing up in a city going to the stadium or watching his team on TV as he's young, uh, playing out on the street, and then eventually working his way through the academy and playing for that team in the same city. I think you're going to start to see fewer and fewer of those fairy tale stories, if you like, um, purely because of teams going more towards the Chelsea model of saying, hey, our first team is so stacked that there's just going to be no opportunity for you to progress any further here. So your only option is to go try overseas and then maybe one day when you're back in the prime of your life, then we'll consider you for our team. And so I think it kind of just takes away from maybe that magic of football um, that so many English children will feel as, as they watch the game and experience the game growing up. Definitely. And it's also an issue for the fans in that sense. The fans have grown up with this style of football. It's what they're used to. And it's kind of part of Newcastle's culture, that that English 
that classic English football that's very much ingrained in Newcastle's culture. So I suspect that there'll be some difficult adjustment for the fans to try to get used to this and get behind the team. But I'm not going to be stupid. I'm, I'm going to be quite realistic here. I do think that as soon as the fans see the likes of maybe Mbappe or Coutinho playing for them and they get used to this top-tier level of player, I don't think that they're going to be too upset for long. I think they'll adjust and I think they'll get used to it. And they'll, I, I think they'll just become like another Chelsea. They have their top team exactly like you said, but they also produce good, good youth talent that they're proud of and hopes, hopes to get into the team. And also become as snobbish as Chelsea. Oh my God, what is it with you and thinking Chelsea fans are so snobbish? Look, they're not great, but you Liverpool fans were not much better when you just won the league in the Champions League, okay? Can you blame us? Yes, yes I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can blame whoever I want as an Arsenal fan and I will. Um, now one more con I want to just cover quickly before we move on to potential managers. So this is an interesting one. So I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure on Newcastle players and staff for immediate success. This is a really big fund that has bought into this team. This fund is worth hundreds of billions compared to the next most wealthy team, which is worth in the tens of billions. So it is exponentially larger. And some are saying that the expectations for success are as high as Man City, Liverpool in the near future. And that might be true. So do you, do you think that that potential pressure and for success, that potential pressure and need for success could actually lead to a downfall and failure in the next couple of seasons for Newcastle because they may not just be able to deal with it? I don't think it's going to be a factor of how much the owners are worth. It's going to depend, like expectation is going to depend on how much investment there is over the next 6 to 12 months. Because if they go all out and just start buying all of these top players, then, of course, as a fan base and as a general football community, you're going to expect them to hit the ground running and start to get better results instantly. If it ends up being a more gradual change, uh, then obviously you temper your expectations a bit more. So I don't think that the price tag, if you will, um, being the wealth of the ownership is going to have that much of a burden on the club. It's more just going to be what they try and do from here, and that's going to set the expectation level uh, for everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I think I think that's a good point. And to be honest, looking at some past case studies of of teams that have been taken over by billionaires. I think that they'll be fine within a couple of seasons. Maybe two, three seasons from now is when I see them winning the league. There's some people saying Newcastle are winning the winning league Winning the season. league. Yeah, I, look, I, there's some people that say Newcastle will win the league next season. No chance. No chance at all. I don't see that. But two, three seasons from now, uh, two seasons I can see them competing for the title, being in the race. Three, four seasons from now, I wouldn't be surprised if they win the league. This is all dependent on them spending as much money as I think they will. Yeah, I agree. And to be honest, in two or three seasons, I can see them winning the league. Like, that's, that's fathomable. Well, this is um, bear, bear in mind, this is also coming from the guy who thinks that Arsenal will be competing for the title in two seasons. But hey, you guys have the Emirates behind you, which is like 400 billion, so that's fine. <laughs> I think you're thinking of the wrong Emirates, mate. We've got Fly Emirates behind us. <laughs> No, you guys boy, oh boy, the, we're not flying. You guys invested in the stadium. It's going to give you so much more money. It's going to, going to help you build the foundation for oh, a Oh, shut up. Just get on to your managers. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about all these great players, all the money that could be spent on Newcastle. You obviously need someone at the helm to try and stitch it all together and actually, actually build a cohesive team that could challenge for a league. Um, there have been a few managers names tossed in the bucket um there are a the couple bucket of... i've never heard that expression toss i don't know we we make it up as we go <laughs> the two names that i want to talk about are uh firstly Bre- steven gerrard and secondly brendan rogers uh can i just 
get your thoughts on if you think either of those two would be a good fit. Would uh, who was the first one? Job, Steven Gerrard. Gerrard, I think, is realistic. I think that Gerrard's proven himself in the Scottish League, and I think he's ready for that step up to the Premier League. And I don't think there's a spot for him easily in the other big six teams. And this kind of team could be exactly where he can make a name for himself, where he has the backing to spend money and the belief that he can just control his tactics. I I suspect that that's the project that's going to be happening. And I think it's the perfect ground for him to make a name for himself. But I'm not sure if he'd be on board with it, given the ownership and actually given the money. It might just be too much for him. I think that Steven Gerrard, and the Steven Gerrard at least that I know, because I know him personally, I've actually uh, spoken to him. (laughs) So the Steven Gerrard (laughs) I know, I think he'd prefer to be at a, a more English team and stay more true to himself. But I can see it happening. And as far as realistic options go, I think that would be their most realistic. And I wouldn't be surprised if the betting odds say the same. Yeah, I agree. I think you hit that spot on the head, uh, which is no surprise considering that you've spoken to him personally. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think agree, good fit, but not sure if he would venture into those waters, especially with the type of project that he'll have on his hands with the, the wealth of money at his disposal. I don't think that's his, that fits his managerial style, um, if you want to put it that way. I think Brendan Rodgers would be an absolute steal if they could nab him from Leicester. I don't see that happening. Um, I think Rodgers is quite comfortable at Leicester. He's obviously building a very, he has already built a very nice team, and I think he'll just want to keep developing that. Um, we all know how much he loves building personalities and working with great human beings, um, and I think he's found a set of lads at Leicester who fit those two things. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see him leaving Leicester either. I think that that's a perfect place for Rodgers to be. He is the perfect manager for one of those top mid-table teams who is putting pressure on the big six. He's very aware that Leicester probably won't win the Premier League again, but I think he's happy with that. There's a lot lower expectations for him as a manager than there were when he was at Liverpool, and he's able to just do his project, teach his style of football, get his guys playing good football, and enjoy himself there. And I think he'd be very silly to leave that for a job where there's going to be a lot of stress and high expectations, which are going to be very hard to deliver because Newcastle can spend all this money, but they need to spend that kind of money just to get on par with Liverpool, Man City, etc. So it's going to be tough. Yeah, I agree. I also wouldn't trust Brendan Rodgers with a whole stack of cash because he did waste our Suarez money on all of Ricky Lambert and Mario Balotelli. So I'm not sure how well that would go. Okay, that's the old Rogers. Um, <laughs> and what do you think about Antonio Conte? I think that's a pretty strong shout. Um, again, extremely well-respected manager. Everyone knows what you're going to get when you bring someone of, Conte, of Conte's uh, excellence in. I didn't have a better word for that. Don't ask me why. <laughs> um, but I guess you know what you're getting. Caliber. Caliber. That's a great word. Yeah, no worries. I'm, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the thesaurus now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Conte coming in would be a great choice as well. Um, and they obviously have the money to pay for him. Yeah, definitely. So that's pretty much the Newcastle... Saudi Arabia situation in general, just to sum up the pros and cons we've talked about, the pros, Delish and I both agreed, it's going to make the league a lot more competitive, which ultimately is more exciting for us fans, and it's going to increase that global audience. And additionally, them being able to bring in players is just going to multiply that effect. This will also raise the league's earnings, and the money will flow down the football pyramid in England. So ultimately, this benefits all the English clubs, not just Newcastle. The cons, however, well, it is a bit of a stab in the back of English youth development unless they do the Chelsea-style model where they're able to effectively loan out their players and give them good game time. And it does make the league more vulnerable 
vulnerable, silly me, vulnerable to foreign investors. And that pressure that they can put onto the Premier League may not be a good thing, but there may be enough rules in place. And lastly, it could screw over those foreign leagues. Delish doesn't personally care about this at all. <laughs> so make of it what you will. Not put it that way. <laughs> Delish wouldn't care if French football as a whole died. Um, <laughs> how to make outlandish <laughs> statements 101. And it also could put too much pressure on Newcastle in the short run, leading to potential failure. So that's a bit of a sum up of the pros and cons. And we've talked about the potential managers, Steven Gerrard and Antonio Conte, and maybe even Brendan Rodgers. So let us know what you think. Um, flick us an email if you have any thoughts to add. Anything else to add there, Delish? That was one of the best summaries I've heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I guess that takes us straight to 905010. Welcome back, and also welcome back to 905010, which is making a surprise reappearance this week. For those of you who don't remember how this works, it's simple, quick, easy, and fun. Now that I think about it, there's a lot of things that are simple, quick, easy, and fun. (laughs) Anyway, um, it's a pretty simple. (laughs) It's a pretty simple game. Um, (laughs) Oh God, it's a pretty simple game. Um, We each make three statements, one of which we are ninety percent sure of happening, one of which we are fifty percent sure of happening, and the last we are ten percent sure of happening. So basically, confident, eh, and not so confident. So, Delish, I'll let you kick it off. What are you 90% sure of this week? David, I am 90% sure that Muhammad Salah is going to win the Golden Boot this season. <laughs> Actually, I don't know why I laughed. That was, that was going to be my follow-up. Like, why? <laughs> I'll tell you why I laughed. It's because I have my, my 50% statement is who I thought was going to win the Golden oh. Boot. <laughs> it's not Salah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really fault that, to be honest. He's been in great form. Great, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> really, that's all. Okay, well, my 90% statement is Newcastle will still finish in the bottom 10 this season. And for perspective, they're seven points behind Aston Villa, who are currently in 10th. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they're currently in the relegation zone. Uh, and I think, yeah, we were just talking about how quickly they're going to make all of their changes. I think, I honestly think they're going to make or try to make a few changes in January, so that will strengthen their squad for the second half of the season. So definitely don't see them being relegated, but yeah, breaking into that top 10, uh, not not quite likely considering the strength of all the teams that will be competing for spots up there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the most, pre- it's the most uh, competitive Premier League season possibly ever, so it's a tough one. And on top of that... I do agree. I think that they won't get relegated because they'll be able to do a big turnaround in the mid-season. But I can't see them picking up huge form before then because the current players are going to be very well aware that they are going to be replaced. That's not good for motivation at all. And they'll probably be looking to start talking to other clubs and getting ready to make the move. So I don't think their heads are going to be in it as much. Besides maybe St. Maximin, who... Is probably the only one in Newcastle's current team I can see being there still in two years' time. Um, so I can see Joel Linton still there. <laughs> there we go. That's where the laugh comes up. What are you talking about? I mean, he he is their record signing, right, from a couple of seasons ago. Okay, yeah, sure. And um, Fernando Torres was Chelsea. What does that mean? Ah, uh, it means Fernando Torres is traitor, and we don't talk about him. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> Joel Linton, funny one. Okay, I can't agree on that. But, yeah, I don't think confidence is going to be great in the squad because of that, that replacement factor. But also, it takes time to get used to a new manager and new tactics. By the time Newcastle are kind of on a roll with their new team, I think we're going to be in the last quarter of the season. And by then, it's too late to get into the top 10. So I don't think they should have too higher expectations this season. Yeah, no, I think I think they'll all accept probably just staying in the Premier League, middle of the pack. It'll do the trick for now. Um, yeah, and just give them a good platform, I guess, to go and light the world on fire next season. Yeah, and I also really hope they don't get relegated because 
we'll probably be seeing a BuzzFeed video coming out with the title and the introduction going, welcome to BuzzFeed. And this week we are showing you the 10 worst investments of all time because <laughs> that would be a shocker by the Saudi fund. Imagine investing in a Premier League team who has Premier League earning potential only for that to turn quickly overnight <laughs> into championship earning potential, which for those of you who don't know, is exponentially lower. No one watches the championship outside of England. It is just not that exciting. And besides that one Watford versus Leicester game, which will forever have my heart. I agree. I agree. And I mean, there's the prize money even within the Premier League exponentially increases with every position that you finish in higher um, in the table. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. But that's probably, again, another discussion for another day about the yeah, whole financial sure. remuneration <laughs> between leagues. <laughs> um, my Actually, 50... Oh, yeah. Uh, just before you get to your 50%, I just want to jump back to your 90% on Salah. My question is, it's not that I don't think it's possible. I think it's actually quite likely. But what do you think is going to give him the golden boot over the likes of Lukaku and Ronaldo? Or even Antonio? Just consistency. Because Yeah, I can't fault that. <laughs> like, one word for you. I don't even need anything else. Mr. Consistent. <laughs> that was going to be your word, wasn't it? No, it was just con oh, consistency. Oh, well, that's the same thing. So straight you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't really need to say anything more about Salah. He's just in the form of his life at the moment. And Actually, for a stat on that, because I know we love our stats, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Gandhi curse. Have you heard of the Gandhi curse? Heck no. Okay, so just before our listeners get offended by anything, it is just the name that's given to it, because there's always an early kickoff. Every weekend in the Premier League, or almost every weekend, there is an early kickoff game. So the first one of the week, well ahead of the pack. And there is just a quote, which if you Google it, you can see it come up, and it's attributed to Gandhi for no specific reason. His face is on it. It is never back the early kickoff. Whether you're betting on it, whether you're doing fantasy, you never back the early kickoff because you can be sure that Ronaldo's going to score against Watford until it's the early kickoff and he blanks and gets a red card. That is the effect of the early kickoff. Everything that can go wrong does. And for the last two weeks in the Premier League, the early kickoff has not proved to be fruitful for fantasy Premier League players. So... Anyway, that's the Gandhi quote. It is never back the early kickoff. And that's what Gandhi said, apparently. So where was I going with this? Ah, so in terms of consistency with Salah, this is interesting. In terms of the games where he's been in the early kickoff and started, I think there is maybe 20-something games. I'm not too sure. I actually can't remember. But out of those, no, it's not 20-something. Sorry, I think it's 12 games. And in those 12 games, he has scored 12 goals and gotten two assists. So the Gandhi kickoff doesn't apply to him? The Gandhi kickoff curse does not apply to Salah. He broke it. He's the only man known ever to beat that curse. Amen to that, because we have the early kickoff this weekend. <laughs> well, then guess who I'm captaining on fantasy? <laughs> who are you playing? It is oh, it's Watford. Watford. That's an easy captain for Salah. But alas, um, yeah, that is that's a good a point. Good I think stat, that's, I yeah, it's that. a good stat. And I think you're right. There's definitely a good chance of Salah getting that golden boot. So what's your 50%? My 50% is that Mbuemo will score more goals than Tony this season. See, I was also going to do something about Mbuemo for my 50%. And I'm glad I didn't because otherwise it'd be way too similar. I agree. Yeah, it it could honestly go either way. Um, I think we've talked about how Tony seems to be happy filling in, either being the main man and getting the goals, um, just as much as he is content just laying back, playing a bit deeper and facilitating. So could very well lead to Mbuemo getting a higher high goals tally this season. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other effect we see of championship teams coming to the Premier League is most of them come into the Premier League with a top scorer, like a real top scorer. He's scored 20-something goals in the championship the previous season. And in this case, Tony scored 32. So 
or maybe even 36. So he came up with a big tally. But what always seems to happen to these teams is those top scorers never quite perform as well in the Premier League because it's a very different style of defense. It's a lot tougher. It's a lot more tactically smart defense. So they do struggle. But I think what Tony has in his advantage is he's adaptable enough to be that link-up play style of guy. He's adaptable to be the Firmino kind of guy with Embromo. So I think that's going to benefit Embromo, and I I agree. It's a 50-50 who's going to get more goals this season. They both have potential to beat each other. Great. What was yours? Well, my 50% was that Vardy is going to win the golden boot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not confident, but I'm 50-50 on it because the man, I think he's currently the top scorer, and Leicester haven't had the easiest fixtures. And what I've noticed about Vardy is he seems to be back in form, back in a kind of form that he's kind of been missing a little bit the last couple of seasons. He's got a kind of killer instinct back this season, it feels. And I can just see him quietly being under the radar for like the first three quarters of the season. No one really thinking about how he's leading the goal scoring charts. And all of a sudden he wins the golden boot, maybe 20, 24, 25 goals. Yeah, I think he's, I agree with you, he's been very under the radar this season, but he has been bagging a few goals along the way, and we all know what his finishing is like uh, as a striker, I don't think. Merciless. Let me repeat that. Merciless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as a striker, I don't think age, if anything, finishing ages like a fine wine if you will. Like, the older the player is, just the more merciless they're going to be. And, I mean, he's still got pace to get him behind. He's just becoming a much, much more nifty. um, And he has a lot more guile to his game these days, which, as as all players mature, they they work into the game. What you said there... What you said yeah. there is interesting. You said he's becoming more nifty, and I think that's a big thing. Vardy's always been a poacher, and one thing that's helped him in the Premier League is his outstanding pace. He was always able to break the back line, run into space, and use it really well. But the other thing he was always good at is poaching goals and being really in the right place at the right time and having good positioning. And I think as he's aged, he's lost a little bit of that pace. He's still fast, but he's not as fast as he used to be. And I think he's making up for it more so in his tactical positioning. I think his intelligence as a player's increased. It keeps getting better. And that is why he's not falling off so much. For what he's lacking in pace now, he's making up for an excellent positioning and finishing. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I mean, his, his game's adapting, and that's just a sign of a smart football player. Um, yeah. And for the record, they, he's equal with Salah on six Premier League goals at the moment. Ah, so they'll be racing to the top. Indeed. Can't wait for the Vardy three, uh, the Leicester three nil Vardy hat trick against Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, Joel Matip's not letting that happen. I can tell you that much. You tagged me in a Facebook meme this week about Joel <laughs> Matip being the guy you'd pick to stop an attack of like Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo, etc. Why on earth did you do that? Because even though he's as tall as a giraffe, he is the goat. I thought. I thought Verge was the goat. Did you Liverpool fans nah. really betray Verge right after his injury? Verge, Verge was injured by. Oh, I can't even say that because we're a PG podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Verge, Verge just he hasn't been quite there this season. And about Matip Joel, has Joel Matip, my man. He's been carrying those those dangly giraffe legs. Must be getting pretty. <laughs> pretty tired by now but okay don't get too turned on by those legs (laughs) 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 no but honestly i i genuinely think he's been obvious defender so far this season and even in previous seasons he was i mean all of our defenders were in virgil's shadow but he always deserved to be our second best defender starting alongside virgil van dyke um, and I think this season, he's just proving it again. Um, I mean, he dominated Lukaku. 
but I've already talked about that, so I won't go on about it. <laughs> fair <laughs> but enough. But that's why I'm in love with him at the moment. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think he's a good player. I'll, I'll make sure to watch more of him specifically than watching Liverpool. And, he has, um, a, he has a great meme account as well. <laughs> Please link me. That's just <laughs> why. <laughs> Joel, um, Ma- no context, Joel Matter for our listeners. Go take a is look. That on Insta? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll go take a look. And he runs it. Uh, it's debatable who runs it. Okay, yeah. There are rumors. Oh, it's definitely not Joel Matter that runs it. Um, but it's there are rumors that Virgil van Dijk is the one that runs it because he's <laughs> constantly just taking the piss out of him. Around uh, okay, I'll go have a listen. I yeah, will have a it's good listen. banter. Um, now onto your ten percent. What do you think's probably not going to happen? Probably not going to happen. Uh, Ronnie Van der Beek will leave Man U in the mid-season transfer window. So you think it will happen? It won't. I think it won't. I think right, it so should. There's only a ten percent chance of that. Yeah, happening. I think it should because he's been horribly mistreated in my view but i don't think he will at least not in the mid-season window interesting yeah i i agree i i don't think man united are the kind of club who are going to sell players mid-season because they do need the depth to be able to compete with the depth of city and chelsea but man do i feel sorry for him he is such a fantastic player and he is just being left to rot at united yeah i agree um and like I say, I think he probably should leave. He's honestly just, he's fallen off the face of the earth from being a star player at Ajax, making headlines, taking that Ajax team to the semi-finals of the Champions League. And now you barely hear about him unless it's him throwing a tantrum on the sidelines. <laughs> so Throwing a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a pretty sad situation, but... Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think he'll be leaving in January. I think you're bang on there. Um, my 10%, I think that Watford won't get relegated. So I think there's a 10% chance that they actually will. That's very interesting. Well, go actually, on, no, say it's, why. Actually, <laughs> actually, no, it's not. That's a, it's a pretty safe bet. I think they've been playing pretty well. You mad? Um, they just sacked their manager. Wait, where are they on the table? Am I just they in are like La La 16. Land? Oh, I'm wait. just in La La Land. I'm just oh, going to double 12. check that first. Um, no, they are 15. at 15th. They've won two, drawn one, lost four, with a negative three goal difference. Uh, you know what's crazy? Saying, They're above Leeds. And you're saying there's a 10% chance that they'll stay up? No, there's a 10% chance they'll go down. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think there's, I think that's pretty safe because there's definitely at least three teams that are playing worse than them, and that tends to even out over the course of the season. I'm not so sure. I mean, Leeds are playing better football than them. Uh, Leeds have been unlucky to not be higher in the table. Southampton has actually had a really, really good defense. They've been very unlucky with their fixtures previously and with their attack, they're struggling to attack. Burnley, yeah. Norwich, yeah. <laughs> but Newcastle as well, they're not a terrible team. They haven't won, but they're they are producing some goals. So um I don't know. I just think that a lot of the bookies don't like Watford's odds, and a lot of people are saying that the fact that they've sacked and replaced managers isn't a good sign. But they've brought in Ranieri, and if there's one thing we know about Ranieri, he makes miracles happen, like the miracle of 2015-16. So I do think that Watford have a good chance of staying up, and in their place for going down, if I'm going to say Burnley and Norwich, I'll probably throw... Oh, it's going to have to be Southampton because Newcastle aren't going to be going down. We just spoke about that. And Leeds are definitely not going down. Nah, Leeds will be fighting. So I think that does change our relegation contenders. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with all that, um, especially with Ranieri coming in. I don't think that swap of a manager is going to be detrimental. I mean, they're already 15th, so 
can't get much worse if it does. But yeah, you've you've got to back that man um, to pull things together, especially with that squad. Like they've they've got a pretty talented squad, so no real big issues there for them. <laughs> you know, this actually raises a question: Would you be sad if Burnley got relegated? What because of Chris Wood? Oh, I wasn't thinking about that, but oh, I what guess are you thinking of just in general. Just in general, will you miss their style of football? In general, no, I won't miss Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> like they, honestly, a dime a dozen. Like <laughs> the team that replaces them in the Premier League is more most likely going to play like them. You know, I'll tell you why I won't miss them. There's not room for three kits in the Premier League to look the same. And West Ham <laughs> and Aston Villa have already taken that market of the burgundy the kits claret. with the light blue arms. Burnley can frankly just do a club redesign because I am sick of seeing that same kit every freaking season from three teams. Like, David, firstly, if it's just a red kit. stadium? Well, Burnley's. Have, yeah, they don't have money for a kit, to, for a kit redesign. <laughs> What do you mean? It gets redesigned every season. They just need to pick two colours from a chart. Just get the hex codes, forward them, be like, hey Nike, we've decided to change the colours of our club. Please, can you redesign our kit accordingly? And it will get done for them. If only it was that easy. You know, Burnley fans would probably be saying to me, you know, we have a history, we have values, this, these colours mean a lot to us. And my response would be, what history? Where have you come in the Premier League that justifies you being able to have those colours over Bro. the likes of Man, over the likes of West West Ham Bro. and Aston Villa? And I'm going to be honest here. If it was like a standard red kit or a red and white stripe, which also low-key pisses me off, there's too many teams like that, I'd get it. I'd get it. But it is burgundy and light blue. Who in their right mind puts those colours together and thinks, oh, that looks nice. That looks, that looks attractive. It's a nice kit colour. Why? Why are there three teams that have the same kit? I think Real Madrid got to you this week. What do you mean? The Burnley fans said they want their culture back and their history. They don't want you to take it away like Real Madrid tried to take away. Culture and history and magic from football. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. That kit is not magic. Um... So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd miss Burnley. I'd miss Chris Wood, but oh, I just don't miss that style of football. Although I guess it's always nice to have one Premier League team who plays like that. You know what I'll miss? I'll miss the easy fixture. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I No comment. And that's also... <laughs> I was going to say that's also why I'd miss Norwich, but Norwich at least are like a team everyone can kind of like. Pookie is just a a cult icon. So at least they've got that going for them. Great, man. I like You're on your own with that one, but good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's also interesting. Southampton are on their way out. There's not a good track record for teams with red and white stripes in the Premier League. Stoke City didn't do so well. Um, Sunderland didn't do so well. Now Southampton are looking at potential relegation. Currently, you've got Brentford, who have the stripes. I don't know what that means for Brentford in the future. This is also one of the least productive and stats-based discussions we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew you were addicted to kits. I didn't know you thought about it this much. I just hate seeing the same burgundy freaking kit. Like, okay, it's a trigger point for me. I think next section. Yeah, can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're okay with it. Yeah, let, let, let's bench it till next week. Congratulations on making it to this final segment of the podcast. Um, thanks for listening through David's little rant about kit colors just before. It pisses you know, me off, okay? <laughs> this is the part where you don't say anything more about it. <laughs> okay, shutting up. Zip. Okay, by the sounds of things, we're locked and loaded for another quickfire round of predictions for game week eight. We're going to rampantly go through these, starting off with Watford against Liverpool. Prediction, David. Watford 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, sorry, I can't keep a straight face. Um, I'm going to say Liverpool 
three in a Liverpool, I was going to go for the exact same scoreline. I think it's going to be a Mohamed Salah hat-trick added prediction. Perfect. Next up, Southampton Leeds. Um, Ooh, that's tough. We've got one of the best attacks versus one of the best defenses. Actually, Leeds pressing is also great. You know what? Because of that, and how bad Southampton's attack is, I'm going to say 1-0 Southampton. 1-0 Southampton. Interesting. I'm going... Actually, you know what? I'm taking it back straight away. It's going to be a dead rubber. No law, in my opinion. No law. That is significantly less exciting. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, for... 4-2 leads. I think they're finally going to get off the hill with this one. They've been playing well all season and just not really getting results. So I think they're going to pull through. Yeah. Next up. Next up. Brighton Norwich. Brighton all day. I'm going to say 3-1. 3-1 Brighton. Well, I mean, they've been playing fantastic football and they're playing Norwich. Yeah, I agree. Norwich. I actually don't think Norwich are going to get a goal in this one. I'm going to go 2 0 Brighton. 2 0 Brighton? Okay. Yeah. I thought you could go for this. Why? Three. Why are you so. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, okay. why are you so surprised? It's the same goal difference as your prediction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just see more goals. But anyway. Fair enough. Uh, Aston Villa, Wolves. That is an exciting match. Um. I'm going to say Villa 2. Actually, you know what? Villa 3, Wolves 2. Yeah. I can see it being a bit of a nail-biter. <sighs> Which way do I go? I can probably see a Wolves win. I'm going to go 2-1 Wolves. 2-1 Wolves. Who do you think is scoring for Wolves out of interest? Uh, definitely not Traore. Probably, probably Jimenez <laughs> bang again. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. In fact, I'm going to go for a Jimenez double and Huang getting one of the assists. I think that it's Mate, Jimenez's week to shine. Mate, you've only got Wolves scoring two goals. <laughs> yeah, Jimenez getting two. Ah, uh, sorry. No, brain dead. Don't worry. Did they, did they teach math where you went in primary school? I don't think they... There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Leicester Menu. <laughs> this is another cracker. Yeah, that's a great one. Well, I can bank on Vardy scoring, so that's at least one for Leicester. Um, imagine if it's another 1-1 one, one for United. I'm going to say 2-1 Leicester, actually. Ooh, that's exactly what I just typed in for myself. <laughs> yeah, 2-1 yeah, Leicester, I think, is fair. Uh, I'm just not feeling it with Menu at the moment. Just don't think they have it. Uh, City Burnley. Oh, we are we're, we're on the trip. It's trip. a home like game for City. Eight no. Okay, I was gonna go for a five. Five and all from me. Just a fiver for you. Yeah, I'm gonna be bold and go six. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Uh, Brentford Chelsea. <sighs> That's an exciting game. Um, <clears throat> Brentford Chelsea. Brentford Chelsea. Brentford Chelsea. Brentford tough. Brentford Mm. (laughs) one, Chelsea two. Fair, fair. I mean, they did draw with us. I'm gonna be hopeful. They beat Arsenal. I'm gonna be hopeful and go for another two-two. I think it could be another thriller. Okay, go for it. Uh, Everton West Ham. Oh, another cracker. Um, that's a tough one. Three two West Ham. Actually, no. Two two draw. Two two draw. Okay, I was gonna copy on the three two. Go for it. Happening. You're welcome to take. I'm that not copying line. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle, Tottenham. I've got to say, 
Tottenham. I just don't think that the Newcastle players will have that confidence after all the drama. There's a lot of talk going on. They're going to be nervous. Uh, I could be, see a, it's going to be Brucey's thousandth game, though. I can see a three nil Tottenham. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, three three one Tottenham. Absolute hammering for Brucey boy. I just don't see the players going out there motivated enough. I know it's Bruce's thousandth, but they're all going to have in their mind, I'm going to be sold by January, potentially. Fair, fair. I'm going classic Tottenham win scoreline, 1-0. Oh, yeah, that actually, that's probably more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, Arsenal against Palace. It's a great game because Vieira is in charge of Palace and we're playing them. So you go first on this one. I'm going to have a quick think. Hmm. I think there'll be a few goals in it, especially if Arsenal come out with the attacking fluidity that we've seen from them. Hmm. I'm probably going to go... I'm going to go 3-1 Arsenal. 3-1 Arsenal. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 Arsenal. I just think that Palace are too good of a side. Fair. Perfecto. Well, that locks in our predictions for the week. I'm hoping that we'll do better than 2 and 3 out of 10 like we did last game week. <laughs> surely, surely. Which one of those... Which one of those fixtures are you least sure of? Which do you think could go the opposite way? Ooh. Um, hmm. For me, it's Leicester United. I predicted Leicester, but I think United could win it. I thought about that. I'm still just, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me being a Liverpool fan. I'm just not <laughs> feeling United right now. I think it's probably like the... The Brentford-Chelsea game, I think either it's going to be tight or Chelsea just get it spot on and rip them to shreds. Yeah. Fair enough. Do you see Brentford being able to win, though? Mm, They'd have to take absolutely every chance that comes their way because we know how strong Chelsea are uh, defensively. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, very... They very well could. Like, they have the potential to. I just think it's it's a bit of a long shot for them to win it. I think they could probably 30% says that they could get a draw. Oh, yeah. Another, another 40% says Chelsea. Uh, I guess that leaves 50%. 30% for a win for Brentford. <laughs> yeah, like 50% Chelsea win for me. And then probably 40% draw, 10%. Uh, Brentford win. You know what I'm going to do? Before you wrap this segment up, I'm going to quickly bring up the 538 predictions and for the week. And for those who don't know, 538 is a statistical analysis prediction website. They make predictions on sports, on politics, on a bit of everything. They've got really cool models, and they're proven to be quite accurate. And I'll tell you what. They say for this week. So they say Liverpool are the favourites heavily against Watford with 74% chance for win. They say that Villa are the favourites against Wolves with 45% of chance of a win. City, 86% chance of beating Burnley. Um, Southampton are the favourites against Leeds by a very narrow margin, 40% chance of winning. United mm-hmm. have a 50% chance of winning against Leicester, according to them. Um, that's an interesting one. They only give Leicester a 26% chance of winning. And Brighton, favourites against Norwich, 45%. Chelsea, favourites to win against Brentford, 59%. And they actually only give Brentford a 17% chance of taking the dub. Everton are the light favourites against West Ham with 40% chance of win. Tottenham are the favourites against Newcastle, only with a 45% chance, though. They're giving, the, uh, they're giving Newcastle 31%. And Arsenal are the 53% favourites against Palace. So you know what that tells us besides Leicester United we pretty much got most of those results right with our guesses according to the predictions of 538 damn we're good (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's see how it actually turns out this week, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's it for another part-time Gathers podcast episode. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, and hope we were able to help you bridge the gap between Premier League fixtures across the boring international break. Even though there were some pretty cool things that happened during the international break. Like Ronaldo scoring another hat trick. Did Andrew he? Robertson, I didn't even know. Yeah, getting Robbo getting another two assists for Scotland, playing out of his boots. We See, I really Scotsman. Just... I really just don't follow the internationals. I had no idea Ronaldo got a hat trick. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's um, out there doing amazing things. <laughs> yeah, and if you haven't listened to our episode from last week, go give that a listen. We do a really cool statistical analysis of the first seven game weeks and break it down in a way that's pretty understandable and will hopefully give you some insights that you weren't thinking about before or weren't aware of. So go check that out. And I guess that means you'll see us next week. Until then...